Episode 51, The Best of 2023, Part 2. Originally written July 21, 2023. When it comes to toy collecting, it has become quite apparent that the first quarter of each year is more often than not the quiet before the storm. Not many major toy releases come in the first three months. So much so that I'm often scrambling to fill up a top 10 list for my favorite releases for that period. The same cannot be said for the second quarter, where the real fun begins, and the toy arrivals and purchases suddenly pick up and never let down until the end of the year. This year though, I've decided to change up how I do things again. Instead of doing an ever-changing list, adding new entries and removing older ones, I've decided to come up with a brand new top 10 list for every quarter. My 10 favorite purchases of the last 3 months. No honorable mentions, and that's it. Then, at the end of the year, I'll go over all 4 lists and hammer out my final top 10 list for 2023. Easy enough, right? So why am I doing this? Well, change is good, or at least keeps things from getting stale. And speaking of stale, when a specific entry lasts on the list for multiple quarters, writing about it multiple times can get repetitive. So yeah, this way I just write about an entry once, or twice max if it makes it to the final list. And hopefully this sort of curbs the issue of recency bias, as no entry is truly eliminated until I go over everything and rank them accordingly for the final list. So with all that said, let's get started on my top 10 list for the second quarter of 2023. Getting the ball rolling at number 10 is Transformers Legacy Shrapnel. The Transformers Legacy line has continued to churn out some impressive stuff. While I don't honestly think that many will actually make the final top 10 list, there are a good number of releases that I have thoroughly enjoyed having next to my workspace as fiddle toys to break a typical day's monotony. After Hasbro gave us a pretty solid version of the Insecticon kickback, it was a given that his two cohorts would see the light of day sooner rather than later. So unsurprisingly, Shrapnel came out in the second quarter, and just like Kickback, Shrapnel doesn't disappoint. I'm really loving these updated versions of the Decepticon bugs, as I found the previously released ones a little too small and too much of a departure from the original toys. These new bugs have a bit more size and chunk to them. They are also faithful enough to the vintage designs with a splash of modern elements and improvements that basically add up to probably the only non-masterpiece versions of these guys you will ever need. Number 9 brings us to the Autobot side with Transformers Legacy Animated Prowl. One of the cool things about the Legacy line was that it brought in characters from different Transformers shows over the years and G1ified them to fit a more unified traditional look. This Prowl design from the Transformers Animated Series was quite a departure from the original version, pretty much a different character actually, so he was a great candidate for this treatment. Originally though, I felt that they didn't, well, make him G1 enough, retaining the exaggerated long chin that was a trademark of the animated look, so I almost passed on him. Fortunately though, since I was a big fan of the character and the original animated toy, I did end up getting him on sale, and while I still think they could have done better, he did slowly win me over with his animated design cues, actually giving him more personality than your average bot. Next up, we move on to Marvel Legends with number 8. Given that Cyclops is my favorite X-Man because you know, he was right, any new Cyclops release will always be an instant buy for me. And as for Miss Frost, I don't know what it is with Hasbro but I feel like they dropped the ball on almost every Emma Frost release, especially when it comes to the face. It's rather frustrating really, but I think they come closest with this latest one. Now while I can't say I'm 100% happy with her face sculpt, 
I do think it captures her cold and stoic personality rather well, and it does look better at certain angles. At the end of the day though, as great as these two are, it's really Strife that gets the coveted top 10 spot for this quarter. As far as supervillain designs go, Strife is quite an interesting study as his exaggerated look represents all that was wrong with the 90s excess. But at the same time, it's the same excessiveness that makes him look so cool. I missed out on a good chance to get myself the first release of Strife a few years back, but it eventually turned out to be a blessing. He's just too good of a villain to not update, and so this year we finally got what a lot of fans grew up reading the 90s X-Men were clamoring for. Yes, I'm biased, but I do believe that this is an all-around improvement from the previous one. And so now that we've got the big boss, I wonder how long it will take before we get some members of the Mutant Liberation Front. Number 7 brings us to Super 7 with the Ultimate Silverhawks Monstar. As far as Super 7's Ultimate Silverhawks line goes, as nice as Quicksilver and company are in their shiny finishes, it's really the bad guys who are the true stars of the display, with the mob boss Monstar rightfully on top. While the original recipe Monstar is just great with his wild hair and crazed look, the real gem and entry for this list is his armored version. This guy is so big that he makes last year's colossal Mumra the Ever-Living look short. Monstar's massive size is an instant standout presence on any collection, and to be honest, he would have been a shoe-in for one of the top slots on this list if it wasn't for one glaring and terrible design flaw. He's got extremely weak ankles that can barely hold up his immense top heavy body. No matter how much floor polish I applied on this guy's ankles to thicken them up, Monstar was constantly falling over. It literally took me days to find the perfect position where he wouldn't fall over before I even dared to put him up on my shelf. It's really such a shame, but given this flaw, there was no way I could place him higher than where he is now. For number 6, we're going to stick with Super 7, but shift onto their G.I. Joe line with the ultimate version of Duke. After being pretty much blown away by their ultimate Cobra Commander in the first quarter, Duke and his wavemate Snake Eyes sort of brought me back down to earth. Don't get me wrong, both these guys are great and continue to reaffirm my choice on going down this Ultimates Joe rabbit hole instead of the more popular and prolific classified line by Hasbro. Snake Eyes is admittedly rather plain and not as exciting as his more modern ninja-based looks, but to be fair, it is a faithful translation of his original cartoon look. But Duke is really where it's at, where the cartoon look is also used as a starting point but also adds some elements and accessories from the vintage toy as well for more display options. Most notable is that Super 7 deserves a lot of credit for producing a shouting Duke face that doesn't look stupid. In fact, if you're okay with the scale, this is probably the best Duke toy produced up to this point by anyone in my opinion. And he makes the perfect complimentary piece next to Cobra Commander if you only want to dip your little toe into this line. And with that, let's jump into the next spot at number 5 with Fans Toys Parkour or Masterpiece Cliff Jumper. After enduring a pretty terrible and very loosely termed masterpiece version of Cliff Jumper from Ace Collectibles for a few years, I finally thought that I had the best version of an MP Cliffy from X-Transbot's Toro. And while that guy was a vast improvement over my previous version, he was definitely far from perfect. And his flaws, specifically with proportions, were made more apparent when Fans Toys released renders of their take on Cliff Jumper parkour. I know I always say this, but in terms of looks in both vehicle and especially robot modes, parkour is basically unmatched. 
he looks so good in both modes that I will excuse the somewhat fiddly engineering and transformation. I think it's worth the extra hassle. Yes, I know I may be eating my words in a few years down the line, but I'm pretty confident that this is the only MP cliff jumper I will ever need. Next up at number 4 is NECA's Ultimate Elf. As a kid who grew up in the 80s, I was the exact target for that alien life form from Melmac, or ALF. From the moment I saw his picture in my local video rental store, it was pretty much love at first sight. I bought into all of it. I watched every single episode of the original live action and cartoon series and collected the comics as well. So you can imagine that it was a real no-brainer for me to get this amazingly constructed plastic rendition of Gordon Shumway for the collection. This really is a labor of love by NECA. The sculpt is perfect, articulation more than enough, and he comes with so many fun accessories that will give you endless display options. I'm not sure if this is the first ever ALF action figure that was ever released, but I'm pretty confident in saying that this is the last one you will ever need. Cat sandwich anyone? Looking pretty at number 3 is Marvel Legends Pretty Boy. As I've said in the past, the Outback team is my favorite lineup of the X-Men. And so by default, it made the Reavers one of my favorite supervillain teams as well. So here we are with easily my favorite member of the Reavers finally on my shelf. While the Reavers were all basically psychopathic scum, it was always Pretty Boy that struck me as the worst of the bunch. On the onset, he basically looked like the most normal and human member of the team. That is, until he shed away his artificial body, thus exposing a metallic skeletal frame, but still retaining his human face. This look left quite the impression on me, and this toy doesn't disappoint. While his robotic body may seem rather generic, it's really all in the face where you can see his narcissistic cruelty shine through. Yes, I know we still need a full Cole, Macon, and Reese, and a more accurate Pierce to really complete the team. But for now, I'm very happy with what we've got. Pretty Boy completes the terrible trio with Skullbuster and Bonebreaker. Number 2, we have Transformers Studio Series 86 Snarl. I'm more than happy that Hasbro decided to give this guy the Star Wars treatment by releasing him in the Studio Series line despite barely being in the 86 animated movie. He was literally in a blink or you'll miss it scene. Seriously though, as a kid who grew up loving dinosaurs, it was really never a question of whether I would be a fan of the Dinobots or not, but rather, which one would be my favorite? And the answer to that question is, well, Snarl. I know it's a rather odd choice given that his four other Dinobots just seemed cooler. Grimlock is the obvious darling of the group, the fearless leader and so on. Slag is the brash violent one, Sludge the dumb but gentle oaf, and Swoop the upbeat and most relatable. But Snarl? Well, he's the loner of the group with possibly the most unexciting dino mode of the bunch. But you know what? That's why he's my favorite. Being a natural introvert, I readily gravitated to his unsociable personality. And I actually am a fan of the Stegosaurus mode, so, so there. Anyway, character aside, this Studio Series 86 Snarl really is the best-built Dinobot toy of the bunch, easily outshining the three before him, Grimlock, Slag, and Sludge, who all suffer from a mix of poor tolerances and weak joints here and there. Snarl is solid in both robot and dino mode. Nothing loose here, and everything tucks and locks into place perfectly. And he brings us one step closer to finally completing possibly the best mainline versions of the Dinobots that Hasbro has ever given us. Here's hoping that we won't have to wait too long for Swoop, and that he will be just as good as Snarl. And finally, 
the number one toy for the second quarter is Star Wars Black Series Wicket W. Warwick. I don't know what it is with me and small furry guys, but from the moment I saw them on the movie screen way back in 1983, I was completely sold on the Ewoks. And not surprisingly, Wicket was my obvious favorite of the bunch. The original vintage Wicket toy was my favorite action figure for many years. He was the star of almost all my playtime scenarios and set up permanent residence inside my pocket as I took him everywhere I went. The vintage collection version of Wicket released in 2010 was the one figure that finally broke my resolve to not get into modern Star Wars figure collecting and it eventually led me to building my very own custom Ewok village. So yeah, you can imagine just how much anticipated this new Black Series version of my favorite Ewok was. I managed to snag one fairly early given that the 40th anniversary line wasn't readily available here in Manila. But I wasn't taking any chances and pre-ordered him months in advance over at Amazon. Anyway, having Wicket in my hand was like being reunited with an old dear friend. Nostalgia comes in all sorts of shapes and sizes and for me, a good number of my happiest childhood memories come in the form of a little brown Ewok. So there was no hesitation here as he yub-nubbed his way straight to the very top of my list. While I probably won't be taking him around everywhere I go, he stands proudly front and center in my Return of the Jedi display. So there you go, another quarter in the can. What have been some of your favorite additions to the collection for the second quarter of the year? Let me know in the comments below and tell me your story. Thanks for watching Stories from the Toy Shelf Redux. If you enjoyed this story, please click on the like button and subscribe to the channel to help me tell more. Until the next one.